Okay, great. Well, welcome to Stories from Retirement. This is episode number five, and I'm with, for the first time, someone I don't know super well, uh, Todd, who is a good friend of George from episode number two, and I'm very excited um, to go through this discussion. Number one, it's an open discussion where you have a chance to get to know somebody new, but also... um, Selfishly, Todd has got some very interesting things that he's doing in retirement that specifically interest me that I want to dig into uh, quite a bit. And I'll just uh, steal the thunder a little bit. He's taken some incredible trips and he does them by bicycle. And I, I just can't wait. I've been itching to ask a million questions about how and what it's like and you know where and and all of the details but we'll save that because we'll go through the normal format as well where we talk about we'll dig into Todd's past and his history and then go through the other aspects of retirement you know whether that's that's family or financial or health or we'll we'll, we'll cover the gamut but for sure um, that's going to be a special and very unique section and I'm looking forward to that but um, I want to thank you for for coming on and sharing your story uh, again, the purpose of this podcast is to have a set of stories of people that have actually been in retirement. So people that maybe aren't retired yet have a a lens of different experiences that they can put their own wishes against and, and think about, you know, would this work for me? Would this inspire me? Is this possible? And then also maybe for people that are retired to say, Geez, maybe I could do some of that too. It's a um, it's an important phase in life. I think we've reached a, um, I guess a place in in humanity where a number of us were able to retire with health and and money and relationships and energy and intellect. And we have a chance to. I often say that to young people that I talk to, where they're trying to figure out what to do with their career. I say I'm kind of in a similar boat. I'm trying to figure out what to do with the rest of rest of my life, right? And it's neat to hear these experiences. When I searched for other podcasts, I didn't find anything quite like this. And so, um, one of my goals is to you know have conversations, meet new people, explore what people are doing, and create ten of these episodes that I think will stand the test of time and give people as they move forward in this. Um, you know, fortunate world where we where we're building wealth and we're building knowledge and where we have such freedoms that you can have a a really rich um, life after work. Okay, so let's get into it. Before I turn the mic over to Todd to get his thoughts on retirement, keep in mind that there is a bonus clip where Todd shares his background and his career, and also his thoughts on transitioning into retirement. So, without further ado, here's Todd. First, thanks, Drew. Um, happy to be here. And uh, I tip my hat to uh, to George. If you haven't listened to that podcast, he's uh, a very interesting, thoughtful guy who I consider a, uh, it's a blessing to call my friend. I so, agree. Um, and he introduced us. Uh, I listened to your other podcasts. I thought they were great. I thought there was some good uh, nuggets. So I'm going to kind of start by saying, if I don't say the words for me enough, because I'll be talking about, you know, what worked for me, but I think it's retirement right. and our decisions are very, very individual. And so, uh, you know, what I've done 
some things have worked, some things haven't. But um, as I talk about things that have worked, I hope people consider that it may or may not work for them. Okay, so let's dive right in. Tell me a little bit about, I guess, kind of the financial side now. So uh, I'll just share like, and you could share whatever you want, obviously, but I'll, I'll just share like I had a number. I thought about, and this podcast is, we don't go deep into that. It's not the purpose of it, but I had a number that I thought, hey, I can live on. And then what I, what I did is maybe two years before I retired, because it's hard, it's hard to keep track of what you actually spend, right? Yeah. So I actually took a chunk of money and put it into an account at the beginning of the year. And I told my wife, I said, okay, we're going to spend everything out of this account. And we'll see how long it lasts us. So we had a, like a real idea of what we spend. And of course, the taxes are different and healthcare is different and all that. But you got a sense for what you needed. And then um, for myself, I got real close to double that number when I retired. It's a little shy of double. And um, I'm super fortunate. I'm so blessed. I like having that cushion. I'm just, I'm just a year and a half into it, but it was kind of a rough, you know, 2022 and I really didn't have to worry. I like it. And I like spending less than the 4% rule for myself. I just, I'm more comfortable that way. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious if you be will be willing to share anything around kind of your philosophy and your planning and where you were at with that from a financial standpoint and what advice you'd have for people. Yeah. Um, so I, I mentioned, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a math guy at heart. Mm -hmm. uh, my father was the investor and had a lot of influence, but okay. he got me addicted. He taught you a lot. Yeah. He got me addicted to Vanguard and the uh, whole yeah. John Bogle, low cost yep. index, mutual funds, keep your costs down, you know, time in the market, not timing the market. I like what mm -hmm. you said. We always lived below our means. There wasn't a year yeah. where we weren't adding um, to the nest egg. Uh, we we forego and and I pass no judgment. I mean, it you know it when people go and they buy different things. I think that's great. You know, enjoy your money. But we didn't buy a second home. I mentioned you know I didn't buy the Porsche when it came off the leash. John Thompson even offered that I could buy his Porsche, which was the exact same thing. I didn't do that. I never. I've never had those expensive habits. My expensive habit is a is a bicycle, not a Ferrari, um, not a boat. And I look at other people, and and I think that's great. I pass no judgment. Enjoy your money, but we consistently made decisions just to uh, live well within our means, maximize the ESPP, maximize the four hundred one k, maximize the education IRA. We were contributing non-deductible IRAs, so we're, we're savers. Um, I think that, like like you said, what did you say? Uh, earn, invest, repeat. It's not mine, but yes, that's it. Earn, invest, repeat. Love it, love it. Oh, that was yeah. great. So yeah, it's a good mantra. Every every Saturday, my kids would laugh. I'd put on Taylor Swift and uh, do a spreadsheet that was keeping track of our finances and how we were doing. I learned over time that when the stock market was going down, not to do that on Saturdays. Wait till it's going up. So I, you know, it sounds like me. I, you know, I don't watch the Lions on Sundays. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it's no fun to watch your uh, no watch no, your net no, worth no. go down as the market goes down. But it yeah. sure is fun to watch it go up when the market goes up. 
I'm really glad to hear you say that, you know, your dad got you into Vanguard and um, that's your approach. I've, you know, I had uh, the previous guest was Jimmy. He's a Wall Street guy, right? And he specialized in Latin American debt. Very, very sharp. Yeah. He's a Vanguard guy, you know, and uh, I, uh, I think I've really instilled that in both of my kids as, as an approach and uh, have humility to the amount of knowledge that you have. And it's interesting. Like I like, I like reading Warren Buffett's stuff and I've read uh, Ben Graham and uh, I, I'm a fan of Nassim Tlaib and Mark Spitznagel and all these guys. And they're, they're like the, the cost of diversification, the cost of doing options for a black swan event. You, you don't have it. Just, just stick with the index funds. And uh, I, I am just so glad to hear so many people kind of saying that because, again, I hear a lot of young kids. I, I, one of my friend's son has decided to become a day, day trader for a career. And I just, I just said to him, that's not a career, young man. It's not a career. It's, uh, it's interesting. I'm, I'm fortunate enough to live in a neighborhood where uh, people will bristle when I talk about, you know, being kind of a boglehead in the low-cost index mutual funds. They, they've been very successful um, running investment funds, doing all kinds of things with bonds and equities and private investment. Right. Um, but for me, I, I guess if I had to maybe say a couple of things is one, I think I think finances, running your finances is like running your diet, you, what you eat. You, you have to be consistent, I believe. Uh, you, you can't, you can't go on binges where now I'm going to try options or now I'm going right. to you know, invest in something I don't know and Bitcoin or whatever. Um, it's about consistency. It's about discipline. It's about long-term, not short-term. And it's, there's some sacrifice in it, but for me, the sacrifices weren't great. Like, like I said, when, you know, when I didn't buy the Porsche, it just, it didn't crush me. Some guys or right. some women are really, really into cars and that would be important to them. So I say, you know, buy that, right? If that's what you really enjoy. But I, I didn't get the utility out of it. Um, I think two other things I would mention. So, yeah, I did have a number, Drew. Um, okay. And when I hit it, I hit it and I was like, okay, we can retire. Uh, I'm in a good spot. Let's double it and just keep going. That seemed like the right thing to do. Um, we were fortunate enough to hit that number. And then I kind of went into that mode, like I said, where I'm just going to keep doing it now until the equation changes. Um, so the the number, you know, there was definitely a goal. I think it's important to have a financial goal. Uh, the one thing that we did that's a little bit unusual, but it really worked for me mentally, was I'm, I'm a big believer that you reinvest your dividends and capital gains. Um, as we started to get toward retirement, I asked Vanguard to send them to my bank account, not to reinvestment. I wanted to see that money okay. hit the bank account. And that started to give me, you know, I worked on our budget. What are we spending? We're not great at controlling our spending just with little things. Like we're not on a budget. We don't have a monthly budget. But right. seeing that cash hit the bank account, a lot of times I'd send it right back to Vanguard and invest it in something. But seeing that cash, we did that for a couple of years, hit the bank account, gave me confidence that there was going to be enough there. Um, yeah. That felt like a paycheck, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, good. Yeah. Um, okay. 
Yeah, we did a couple of professional reviews with Vanguard and one with an outside person, but that was much earlier in my career. Um, and I always told them, you know, I, I want to retire when I'm 35. I want to retire when I'm 45. I would always play the game, like you said, of I want to be really, really sure. And um, they would give us some some advice. They help us rebalance into more bonds um, and picked up on some mistakes that we were making, having them in like non-retirement accounts, bonds and non-retirement accounts. Right, right, yeah, right, right. But I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm a big believer. I guess I go back to what you say. Earn, invest, repeat. Okay. Let let me ask you this. So I've I've heard from financial advisors that all of their clients, every single one of their clients after the age of 70, as what I've heard, um their portfolios increase. They're not they're not spending to kind of decrease their portfolio. They're not they're not going to end with zero, right? People talk about ending with zero, but most people at some point they just they're just not spending it. Where are you at? Where are you with that? Do you actually spend down your assets a little bit, or have they increased since 2019? Right, they have gone the way that the stock market's gone. Um, okay, so we've had a couple of really good years actually during the pandemic, um, coming out of that, and just assets went way up. And then we've had some years where you know last year where it went down. Um, but we keep it a level, the equity side where we're comfortable, um, that it can handle those ups and downs. Mm-hmm. Um, I tell our kids that we're going out with a zero. <laughs> um, I want that latitude, frankly, should yeah, the worst right, case yeah. happen. And, you know, but my parents, their friends always said, Hey, we're going to give you two things. We're going to give you a four year education at any school you want to go to. And you're not going to have to take care of us financially in our retirement. And those right. are two very big gifts, which I feel very fortunate to, you know, that we've been able to provide for our kids. But that's, that's the deal that I got. And that's the deal that my kids yeah. are getting. Um, okay. And we'll see. We'll see. Uh, we're very philanthropic and, and actually donate a lot of money to charities. And that may be where it all goes. I, yeah. I want that. That's excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, great. Um, why don't Why don't we take some time to, um, you know, talk about talk about the cycling? Yeah. And um, I, I I don't know. Maybe it might be best. I've got a bunch of questions. It might be best just to kind of for you to talk about your passion, why it's your passion, what you've done, and um, well, let's just start there. Yeah. So I would. I, I was a cyclist. I had a okay bike. I would goof around with like Olympic distance triathlons. I liked to cycle. Um, I really started to get serious, obviously, when my brother-in-law said, let's go across Europe. Um, a guy at the bike shop named Mark, really good mechanic, looked at me and he said, once you start traveling at 12, 13 miles an hour through a country, it's the way you're always going to want to travel. Hmm. And he was so right, Drew. I mean, now when somebody says, let's go to San Diego, I'm like, how can I get my bike there? I'll spend extra days. I want to cycle around. I want to see it. When you cycle, it is so cool. You, you roll into these small towns and you're not coming on a tour bus. You're not coming in a cruise ship. 
you're not coming in a like fancy Audi or Mercedes. You you roll into these places in a very unassuming way. The, the the locals aren't really sure what to make of you, and you kind of sit down in the in the cafes or the restaurants, and you're just accepted. And people are talking to you about you know cycling or they're curious. I mean, I'm yeah, sure. they're curious. And so to part of what I really enjoy traveling is it's great to see things and it's great to experience things and go to museums. But I really do enjoy like understanding how different people live in different cultures and just contrasting it and comparing it with, you know, with our experiences in, in America. And I, I'm it, it is a great education. Yeah. I agree. I'm hooked. And, and one of my friends told me, he said, Tom, when you retire, he said, say yes to everything for a year. <laughs> hmm. mm -hmm. So it's been really great. Like I, I, a guy said, you know, I'll drop you off in Yellowstone and you can cycle. Um, so I, I cycled across Wyoming. Another friend of mine said, I got this great place in Thailand. Come join me. I joined him and then I cycled from Phuket up to Bangkok. Um, Are you doing these trips like alone? Those two I did. Yeah, those two I cycled I by myself. Yeah. Okay. So like let's let's set the stage just for Wyoming cuz that's like when I when I heard that this is your passion, like that's probably the first spot that popped into my head is is the Wyoming, Dakotas, Montana, that area. Now, and I'm thinking to myself like help me out with the basics of this. How planned are you for this trip? Like are you looking at I'm on a combat camp or I'm going to get to this town and I have a hotel or I'm going to find roads that are low traffic. I mean, how do you go about it? There's a lot of routes and you can get good route information and you want to do that because you don't want yeah. to be, you know, in heavy traffic with tractor trailers going by you. Um, so there's a company called Adventure Cycling, Cycling out of uh, Missoula, Montana. Okay. And they have an incredible trove of information about cycling anywhere in the United States. They were the original ones who came up with the publicizing the route across across America. Um, and then you get into these things like Strava and your friends ride with GPX and you can find different routes. But the main planning is you have an objective. And you know where you want to be in, say, a week. So both Wyoming and, and Thailand were about a week trips on my own. So you have a general idea. But the night before or even the day of with things like Hotels.com, you can, you can book a place, right? And okay. I, I book modest places, just try and make sure they're clean. I don't you know, care about the amenities. I just want to get something good to eat, relax, watch a little bit of TV, and get up and cycle the next day. And, kind of at night just reflect on what I what I saw during the day. So I But most every night you have a shower and a bed. Correct. Correct. And okay, and I, so you're not carrying a hammock and a bag and that type of stuff. I carry a tent, sleeping bag and a mat. Okay. And I will camp out. I didn't in Thailand. I did in Wyoming. I was like Francis McDormand. I, uh, I, I camped in that site that she was working at in uh, Nomadland. Yeah. Yeah. Out in uh, the Badlands of South Dakota. That was pretty cool. Okay. So yeah, the camping okay. out is really cool, but I, I do make sure there's a good shower. Um, the, the real, 
the real intense travelers, they just have some baby wipes and don't worry about it. I, I like a nice shower. So, right. I, th- I think that's, that's very reasonable for sure. Yeah. I, I feel fortunate, um, to have enough money just to, you know, stay in hotels whenever I want. Um, but I always carry the camping stuff because one, you just don't know with weather or you have a mechanical or the bike breaks down, you, you may have to shelter for the night anywhere right. and you have to be prepared okay. for that. So I carry a little, I okay. carry some food too. And, um, like I said, at that place in the Badlands, I just got locked out of all the hotels. I didn't book in advance. It was a crazy day. And I just rolled in and luckily stayed at like a national park campsite, um, paid them in the morning (laughs) as I had no reservation. Okay. Um, yeah, but you had access then to a bathroom and all that type of stuff as well. Yeah. Yeah, I showered in their in okay. their bathroom in the dark. I had just enough quarters to feed the the. Yeah, that was an interesting night. I got a little lucky there. That was that was. Uh... Yeah. But yeah. Just... Okay, so that's pretty neat. So your pack isn't that crazy then either. No, no. I, I you you could go to a laundromat if you needed to, or yeah, you carry about three cycling shorts or bibs and a couple of jerseys mm-hmm. and you wash them every night in the sink or I do, or I put them underneath my feet in the shower and then you try and do real laundry about every three or four days. Okay. Um, we just went top to bottom of New Zealand, my brother-in-law and I in February. And that was about a six week trip. Um, and yeah, you just carry everything on the bike. You get used to it. It definitely slows you down. But Drew, I, I, I can't tell you that the, I feel so fortunate the things I've been able to see and and you just feel like you experience them when you're on a bike, you know, you're out there in the open air um, and you just roll up to these beautiful parks or streams or oceans or mountains. It's just a phenomenal way to. It's really romantic and appealing to me. I, I think I had mentioned to you when we did like our little sound check. So I've taken a cycling trip to Tuscany and I've been to Croatia, and I've been to Sardinia, and we're going to Mallorca, but they've always been guided. Mm-hmm. And um, that's kind of nice, too, because I, I can sh- switch my brain off a little bit, and you know they're going to take you on a quiet spot, and the local's going to take you to this amazing restaurant, and you're going to stay in these cool little hotels, and they're going to schlep your bag around for you. Um, but that's expensive, and it's not as adventurous as um you know what you're describing so um i am i am even i am my interest is even more peaked because the other thing i know about myself is i'm not going to like walk the appalachian trail it's not it's not going to happen i'm not going to sleep outside that many nights and i'm i'm just not going to do it if i could have a bed every night and just have the the time to myself i think that would be amazing and i have always wanted to do a trip by myself and i really haven't done that um i'm I'm curious when when you go on your own are you during the day are you are you listening to music at all are you doing anything are you just kind of silent with your thoughts as you're going around right i i don't listen to music um i want to hear the traffic I want to hear yeah. what's going on, uh, both safety and experience-wise. Right. Um, so I'm with myself. I'm with my thoughts. It's extremely meditative. Um, I'll catch myself, Drew, 
all of a sudden I'm, my mind will be going 78, 79, 80, 81. I'm like, how did I even get, I, I don't remember counting from one. Why am I counting? Like you're just in this hmm. meditative state. Um, and just experiencing the beauty um, of the places that you go and, and can see. Hmm. Oh, that's super cool. So would you say that this, um, uh, well, give me an idea, like uh, 365 days a year in the past, you know, four years of retirement, how, how many days are you out there cycling? So I'd say roughly half. I try and average, I, I, I track it. Wow. I try and average about 100 miles a week through the year. So 5,200, I've done at least that, I think, every year in retirement. Wow. So you're, you're cycling 180 days of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And are these trips or this, this is just also exercise at home? Both. Yeah, both. Both. Okay. How about the trip side? How often are you, you know, just, and is this your main, fo- I've got uh, too many questions at once, but is this your main way of traveling or do you travel in other manners as well? Um, so I'll give you an example. I, I, yeah. I went to London for my sisters lived over there for a, a, a birthday party. I took my bike. Um, we had a small COVID outbreak in the family. This was just a few months ago. So I got out of there and, and I went to Amsterdam and rented a, a an Amsterdam sit up right commuting bike and just cycled around Amsterdam for five days on my own. As the COVID went down, I met my brother-in-law in Belgium, and we cycled a lot of the Tour de Flanders cobblestone craziness. Hmm. Came home, went with some friends down to the Outer Banks, rode just one day there, came home, went with my college friends out to Tahoe. I took my bike and cycled three or four days out there, came home, went with my cycling friends up to New England, and we cycled uh, some routes up there for about four or five days. Now I'm home for a couple of weeks and getting ready to go back over to London to do, uh, um, I, I ride for a charity over there that I'd like to talk about, but I'll, I'll ride coast to coast in England over three days. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so let's, uh, let's, 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 uh, let's talk about, let's get right into the charity. Let's talk about the charity and your, your thoughts on philanthropy as well. Yeah. Um, so first the charity, since we're on cycling, so there's a, a small, group. It was my turn to choose, my brother-in-law said. So I said, let's go top to bottom of the UK. So you start up in a remote part of Scotland and you end up in Land's End at the other corner of England. And uh, there was a small charity for multiple sclerosis, which um, has affected my extended family. So I said, let's do this. And they support you. So they carry your tent and your food and everything and meet you several times during the day at rest stops. And like you said, they, they tell you the right pubs to go to, but it's a very low cost um, way to be what's called supported. So they carry everything for you and you just ride your bike and then you camp at night or my brother-in-law and I, half the time we would pull out our credit cards and stay in a B&B or a hotel. And half the time we'd camp out, they put you in like churches and rec halls or sometimes campgrounds outside. And we went top to bottom of the UK together. And then I did it the following year, or I think it was the following year, might've been a year in there for COVID without him. And then I did, they had a ride uh, called the NC 500, the North Coast 500 in Scotland. I did that one. 
But it's a great way, back to what you said, if to get into this, it's a phenomenal way. There's a, a group that does it in the U.S. too called Bike the U.S. for MS. But it was a phenomenal transformative experience where I just had so much fun. I was still working. It was 2019. Met some great people. Is there a big group of people going at once or is it you're, you're individual and you've got a fundraising goal and yeah, you have, your timing is your timing? Yeah, you have a fundraising goal. But then okay. every day you cycle with, in the UK, it's, and, and I think the US too, they keep the groups under 30 people. So I think we had about okay. 20. Okay. And you just kind of end up with different people, different days talking and just sharing experiences. And you do anywhere from 50 to 80 miles a day, um, touring pace, leisurely pace. You're not racing. And you just kind of take it all in. And it's, it's, it's a quest. It's a lot of fun. You meet with local MS groups who are trying to support people who are affected by MS um, and what they do for them, just you know, trying to help them. Yeah. live the most of their lives, um, get the most of their, of their lives. Yeah. So it's, if, if you're thinking about becoming a, a, a travel or tourist cyclist, uh, it's a great transition because it's supported. It's, it's lower cost. It's for a great charity and it's a lot of right. fun. Um, right. so okay. what you've done, which I think are great. I've never done them. The, uh, like the back roads, the high end tours, those right. are phenomenal too. Um, and I have nothing against those, but this is a much lower budget and is kind of a step toward learning how to do it on your own. But, oh, that's, that sounds pretty neat. Um, okay, great. So, uh, maybe on, maybe on the philanthropic side, let's say, um, you get to a point in your life where, oh, I'll just, I'll just say, uh, you're 99 years old. You've decided you're going to no longer um travel and cycle and you're comfortable and you you've uh all your kids are successful and uh, you've you've got a big pile of money and you want to give it um to an organization or a cause um have you thought that through like how you'd want to do that not fully um okay. not fully and that, you know, that's a conversation with my wife that we need to figure out as well. Um, yeah. I think what I would say about philanthropic, and this ties back into retirement, the theme of this is um, when my parents passed away in 2014, I started to realize that, okay, you know, we, we would donate, um, you know, I donated to a scholarship of the professor I mentioned earlier. And, you know, we'd give $50 here, $100 here. We'd put money in the in the plate at church, but we weren't really big donors. And I started to realize my, my parents did leave me a little bit of money. And I was like, I, I don't feel right taking this. Like, I want to pass it on for their memory. You know, they, they gave me, they paid for my education. We didn't have to take care of them financially in their retirement like they promised. So we, we, we took the money that they gave us and we gave it to a, a small middle school that I'm part of um, and involved with in Philadelphia that tries to help in an area that's a really tough area of Philadelphia. Mm. Um, and I got really involved with them, kind of a tribute to, uh, to my mother and her uh, career in education and belief in education. That's beautiful. And we've been, so since then, I think we've become 
larger donors to them and to our church. And um, yeah, and, it, and it's become more part of our life. Uh, like I said, I, I don't have expensive habits. Um, so I think I kind of looked at it as give it now I can enjoy and be part of and see the results. As yeah. Well. And you'll learn along the way. Yeah. Right. What, what you feel works and you know, what feels right to you and, and all of that. Okay. It's connected us. I get you. It's, there's great, a journey there. Yeah. It's connected us with great people. I, it's uh, been one of the things I do in retirement was I was on the board for both why I was working and when I retired of that, the school I mentioned called St. James in Philadelphia. It's a middle school. And then I was on their executive committee agreeing to be the secretary. I chaired a, uh, I chaired a group where we did the due diligence and looked at buying a contiguous property, which we're going to close on in the next couple of months. So it became one of those chapters, um, Drew, that I was able to spend a lot more time of in retirement hmm. was spending time, you know, hopefully the, the word giving back is overused, but um, do, doing something for others is is very rewarding, very interesting to me. I, met, yeah. I mentor uh -huh. one of the students uh, who graduated and now he's in, uh, in college. Um, and that's been a real interesting journey too, working with him. So I've been able to spend more time with that than I would when I was working, and I've enjoyed that. Right. Oh, that that's great. You had also mentioned earlier that you've become an adjunct. Yeah. Um, maybe you can. Maybe you can. This would be a good time to, to chat about that as well. So I have to tell you, my ideal life would be to have a home university. Where I would teach huh. one or two classes every fall. Okay. And then every spring, be a visiting professor at someplace cool like Tokyo or right. Sydney or Wellington or, you know, just travel the world that way and, and spend the spring semester in a new place. So a friend of mine who, uh, a good friend of mine from, from Cornell days, he, he retired out of Marriott and, uh, he had been doing some lecturing. He wrote, he wrote a book or I think he's on a second book now. And he landed a job back at Cornell lecturing. Um, and I've talked with him a lot to get some good advice. Um, but yeah, it's, I'm going to take a step toward it with this adjunct professor. I'm going to be teaching a business 101 class at University of Delaware in their undergrad business school. Very cool. And uh, it's kind of my first step. If I like it, I'm going to keep going. If I don't, then we'll end it after one semester. But you get to try these different things in retirement. Um, and hopefully it turns into a long chapter that I really enjoy. But if it doesn't, it's a short story and you, boom, you move on to the next chapter. Yeah. No, I, I have a, a friend that I reconnected with this summer and he retired out of Amazon and he's now a professor at Paul and he didn't have an MBA. He didn't have a master's degree at all. And he said the faculty wouldn't let him become a professor, an adjunct, unless he had one. So he cranked out an MBA in like 17 months or something like that. He just cranked through these courses, typical of this guy. Wow. Um, but he's now teaching full time. And he teaches four classes uh, each semester 
and he loves it. He says his passion has always been, he, he had probably thousands of people working for him at, at Amazon would be my guess. But he, uh, his passion was um, always developing people, developing executives. And he says, now my, I mean, you know, my passion is helping undergrads land their first great job or people that have come back to get an MBA land their dream job type thing. So that's what he's really trying to connect with individuals and coach them into that spot. And uh, I could tell it lights him up. It's pretty neat. Um, and this guy has a motor. My God, can he work? Still, oh, that's just what he wants to do. It's it's pretty neat. Yeah. Okay, so so we've we've talked quite a quite a bit about um, the the cycling side and um, your passion there and how um, you've tied that to some other life goals around philanthropy. And, and also just giving people an idea of, of ways that they can start or there, if, if people are interested in kind of exploring this, um, this lifestyle, what, what other resources would you point them to, or what other advice would you have? Well, one is, um, just do it right. Okay. Um, you know, you're going to learn, you're going to be uncomfortable. You're going to get a saddle sore, but if, if, if you want to try cycling, just, just do it. Right. Um, I was trying to learn how to be a better skier at one point. I was getting frustrated and I looked at the, uh, the instructor and I said, what is it? And he goes, I go, you know, what can I be doing? And he said, miles. He said, you just need to do it mm. more. Um, yeah. And that, that's the one thing I would say about cycling. The, the other, if we're talking about general health, um, I do try and lift once or twice a week. Okay. Um, I think that's important for upper body because cycling does nothing yep. for your upper body. <laughs> um, and I just think it's important for bone structure and, and overall health. It's my daughter became vegan about six or seven years ago. And I was slow to follow her, but she had me watch a couple of really interesting. Um, she suggested I watch a couple of really interesting documentaries about diet and food and the environment and um, health. So I became, I call it a Cheegan. Um, I really focus <laughs> on a plant-based diet. But I'm not okay. afraid to cheat. Um, so, you know, I still like ice cream. And okay. if there's leftovers in the fridge and they have meat, I'd rather eat it than see it go to waste. Right. But but you're you're not you're not going out after a cycling trip and having a burger. No, no. I when I'm out I almost always order plant based. Um and when I'm making my own food, it's almost always plant based. I really like it. You know, when you exercise, your body wants to eat better. And when you eat better, you want to exercise. And it's just this wonderful symbiotic relationship. Uh, yeah. It, you know, it, have you explored at all like um, intermittent fasting or limiting your eating window for energy or limiting sugars? Have you tried anything along that range? I've really cut down on sugars. And I really notice yeah. when I have ice cream, how it affects me, like the sugar rush. Yep. Me too. Um, yep, me I've too. really cut down. I love ice cream, but it kills me now. I, I, I fight with the family because I don't want to eat regular pasta. I only want to eat like whole wheat or quinoa pasta and things like that. I've really tried to cut down on, on processed um, foods dramatically. Um, people say, what do you cook? And I, I scratch my head cause I really don't cook a lot of things. It's, you know, it's all raw and, um, okay. and it's been, it's been wonderful. Like I mentioned, I've been fortunate enough to, you know, lose 15, almost 20, yeah, 20 pounds since my working days. 
I feel great that way. Um, I just feel lighter and more, you know, you just feel better, um, I think. Yeah, yeah. Your energy's uh, probably more even. Do you have any bad habits? Do you do anything wrong now? Oh, yeah. Um, like you, I said. You drink mezcal or anything? <laughs> or? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm still a social drinker, but I have to stop okay. at one or two because I don't like the effects yeah. the next day. Um, right. I, uh, let's see. Like I said, I like ice cream. When I can find cashew-based okay. ice cream, that's the best. But uh, yeah. the, I'll put in another plug for University of Delaware where I'm going to go teach. It has the best ice cream possibly in the world. Oh, my God. Yeah. And, and There's something about these uni- university towns, I whew, think. My dad was a Penn State you know, guy, and everyone talks about the Penn State creamier around here. The U Dairy, right. the University of Delaware. So, yeah, ice cream is okay. ice. Um. I got to eat it early in the day. When I have it late at night, I actually, I, I get nauseous when I'm sleeping. Like I feel that sugar rush, yeah. almost like a, my, my, I don't know, my endocrine system can't process it or something like that. So it's not worth it to me. And uh, there's a couple other things I want to parlay off based on what you said. Like um, the meat thing, I am a carnivore. I am a meat eater, but I do remember reading a book based on Sanskrit and it, you know, the Indian culture, um, speaks strongly about eating animals. And they say for the moment that food is in your mouth for those 10 seconds, the suffering that animals had to go through. And is it really worth it? And I do think about that. I, I try to be mindful when I eat, but I'm kind of always been a ver- ferocious a- appetite guy, yeah. but I try to eat a little slower and think about what I'm eating and, um, consider the trade-offs and try to get more quality into my my uh, body but i'd also say like i have fasted for a long period of time uh for me 48 hours is the longest but then you realize what real hunger is and what you really crave and what i really crave is i it's like my my holy trinity is fried chicken and hamburgers and pizza and that's what i crave it is that's what i love to eat yeah you know, so uh, to some degree, I don't want to deny myself that. I don't want to make a habit of that's my my core of my diet, but I love that type of food. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing, you know, just reflecting back on what you said, like weightlifting. So I started weightlifting before, you know, during COVID. I actually started a little bit before it. And there's this, um, this guy, Mark Rippentoe, that's on, uh, he's a powerlifting guy on YouTube. And he's also got a book called Starting Strength. And then there's a guy, John Sullivan, that wrote a book. It's it's called The Barbell Prescription. He's an ex-doctor. And he talks about how important it is to have muscle mass and how hard it is to build it as you get older. And he said he saw so many patients. He was an emergency room doctor come in that he called a sick aging phenotype or a sick aging pattern where – You've gained weight, you've lost strength, your VO2 max is down, you've got endocrine issues, you got a packet of pills, and we're going to extend your life in the medical community, but it's going to be miserable. And um, anyways, I think uh, I've really enjoyed shifting to lifting, and uh, I appreciate that, that, that you've made that a, a, a part of your life as well. Okay, so you know we we've talked a little bit about about fitness and diet and health. Are there are there other things that you'd want to pass along to people that are you know still working, um, or or retired that you think are you know important to keep in mind? 
So I think if you're still working, I, I always tried and I was never very successful. I was somewhat successful to try and manage my diet. When you have more time mm-hmm. and less stress, it, it is a lot easier. But looking back on it, you know, there were a lot of customer dinners, a lot of social drinking. Um, it was all part of it. And I loved it. And some of my customers were foodies. Um, but I think I would have taken, I, I would have took a little more time and be thoughtful. I'm very addicted to being a, a Chigan, as I said. Um, I don't want to preach, but I really worry about the environment and climate change. And when you start to associate that to, uh, to what it means. Food production. Yeah. Um, and yeah. there's a couple of great documentaries on Netflix that kind of go into this. But so I, I encourage people, like you were saying, I, I totally get it. I mean, the taste of a good fried chicken or some people are addicted to steak. Um, it's about finding other foods that you like just as much. And I always tell people, you know, start, start with Meatless Monday. Try Meatless Monday. Um, and just ask yourself, not how you feel one. as you're eating it, but how do you feel a ye- an hour later or two hours later or three right. hours later after right. the meal? Um, so, yeah, I, I, it's not a religious thing with me. So, I don't, I, but um, it has. Been, has your blood work improved significantly? Like your, your doctors are saying, like, yeah, this is working great for yeah. you? Yeah. Um, yeah okay. I was never really in trouble with any of those measurements, um, but may have been headed there. But now it's, you know, the doctor just shakes his head and says, it, it's, I don't want to use the word perfect, but it's really, really good. Uh, I mean, the combination of your diet and the amount of miles that you put on the bike and your heart and your health and your cardiovascular, that's, you're doing it. If you start to look at, at, at food as your fuel and even your medicine, um, yeah, you know, I, yeah. I, I think that it really, there, there's a lot there the big pharma not to pick on them because they've done a lot of great things but there's the incentives for them to be prescribing the latest pill there, there's not the right. asparagus society saying how great it is for your i don't know, <laughs> you know inflammation or whatever. the smell of your pee yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> um how how about healthcare though so you you um retired before medicare how has that worked out for you is it you know is it are you, are you happy with the coverage? I assume you're on Obamacare. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Or um, has that been more expensive or less expensive for you? And then the last thing I'd ask you maybe to share with people, you travel a lot. I know most medical plans stop outside the borders of the United States. How do you account for that? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that question. So people were, were kind enough to tell me to prepare um, and make sure you budget health care. And it, yeah. I really did underappreciate, despite all the information of what the companies were telling you as to just how much it takes financially in this country. So yeah, we went on the ACH. Drew, I am not kidding. Two wonderful children in pretty good health, although one plays football, which always ends up in, you know, an injury every year. Yeah. And my wife and I, it is forty thousand dollars a year yeah is that just for coverage or is that what you spend with everything that's everything okay. so we're yeah. on a we're on a, a a program through the ach what is ach uh affordable care act 
the Obama. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Obamacare. I don't know yep. what we okay. would do without that. Um, right. I don't know. I think I might have to take a job uh, just for the benefits. But you know, the other thing going back to finances, and this relates to healthcare, is I w- I was taught during college don't think about it costs forty thousand dollars. Think about you have to earn fifty, sixty thousand dollars to pay for that, right? Because that's right. Pre-tax and versus after-tax. So that's forty thousand dollars after taxes. Um. So that's a lot. Yeah, of money. I'd say my mine has been less. Now I my son is going to be. It says last year that he can be on my coverage, so it's just going to be my wife and I, and we've got a high deductible plan, mm-hmm. and it's less than what my Cobra was. Um, but you know the total out of pocket could reach forty for us if we had a medical incident where we'd need it. But I've got basically a kind of catastrophic coverage, yeah. if you will, and I'll self insure the rest. That's that's what we've gone with too, um, and okay. it's just when you when you put in the vision, the dental, yeah. um, mental health, Ever. physical health, yeah. all these things. It's uh, it's staggering. When I when I talk with my family over in the UK, and my friends over there, they're just they, they just shake their head. Right. How, how about when when you travel? Do you do something special as an additional rider to make sure that you're covered when you're in, say, Thailand or England? Or I haven't. Okay. Um, my care provides for emergency room care. Okay. And I figure that's what I'll, you know, that's the catastrophic. Okay, so they cover that even in other countries. And if I need anything else, I I, I take the risk and consider that to be self insured. Okay. I will pass along something to you and to, to listeners right now. So um, when I was on Cobra, Microsoft, they covered international. And I'm taking my first trip now off Cobra, and it's a juicy one. We're going to Mallorca and Portugal for a month. And so I, I asked my, my travel agent, who's fantastic, and I said, it's world of travel and um I'll have to add, you know, uh, contact information in the show notes, but I got a Chubb insurance policy. So Chubb's pretty, pretty good insurance, right? Grand, yeah. great brand name. It's like, um, up to a million dollars to medevac you back. It's, it's full coverage when I'm over there for a month. It was $150 Yeah, I should for that. both my wife and I. Yeah. It's really not that expensive. And I think Blue Cross sells a plan for a whole year that covers the world with similar types of things for, I think it's four or 500 bucks. So send me those links. Have, have yeah, I link. will. Yeah, I will. It's worth it. It's worth it. I think especially, you know, you know, heaven forbid on a cycling, you, you could get pretty, you could get pretty banged up. Yeah. You might not want to have like a, uh, your femur reset in Thailand. I don't know. Maybe they have, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm wrong about that, but, um, okay. So I was glad to, glad to share that. Um, I'm trying to think of what else here. Um, anything else on the, on the physical health side that um, you, you want to share or, or your experiences with? But it, it sure sounds like your early retirement has improved your health and your stress levels. It's been transform, transformative for you, it feels like. I think so. Um... One of my friends said about retirement, Sunday nights, 
The best thing about yeah. retirement is Sunday nights. Yeah. So I don't know how what you went through, Drew, but you. Developed- I had the Sunday night blues. Oh. When you were working, I did. I get a little. I get a little down on Sunday nights. Not that I worked in the coal mines, but I'd get a little down. Yeah, I would. Yeah, you start you start thinking about the stress and what you're doing that week and mm-hmm. what's expected and the meetings and the travel and so mm-hmm. the we didn't talk about the I have a very different relationship with time and I heard your other podcast talk about this very well mm-hmm. is I haven't felt this way since junior high. Like I have time and people worried about being bored. And and I get that, but I think out of boredom, you find joy and it forces you to be creative. So you have time to pursue things that you want to pursue or go do things that you want to do or read things that you want to read. And that is a real luxury. That is a real luxury. The, The boredom like I heard George talk about this, and I, I know other people. You know, Every, everybody. It's their number one concern, and I I do think it's a maybe it's just my own lens on it. I, I think it is a code word for depression. Mm. You know, are are you going to get depressed if you don't have a purpose? Is your brain going to go to jelly? And you know, maybe there's some risk of that. But do you think people that are working aren't depressed at times or down if that's if that, if they have a disposition to that, um, and and are you able to manage that? And um, I love observing. I was tight with my time. I do not like being late for things. Um, I love talking to people, but if I have sixteen things to get done, I can get kind of irritated if you're talking too much. Yeah, and I'm way more relaxed about that now. Yeah. And, uh, I also think it's a gift. Like, you know, my, my daughter who just got married, she's moving to DC in November and Jeannie and I just said, let's just be home and just be available. She doesn't live with us, but she'd come by a lot. I'm like, let's just make sure we're around. You know, just want to physically be there for her. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm glad to be able to do that. I think people have a very valid concern. Um, you know, I, I respect what they're saying when they're worried about being bored or mm-hmm. becoming depressed. Um, the woman who started the, uh, the school I mentioned earlier that I'm involved with, she was a, a surgeon, um, an orthopedic doctor, and she became depressed. And that's why she started the school. So Did she really? Okay. I think if it, it, a lot of it's the attitude. One of your people um, that you interviewed, I forget who it was, and some of my friends said, make sure you're going towards something not away from something. Cause if you're going away from something, as soon as you're away from it, you're going to be like, well, now what am I going to do? So have, right. have your plan. You know, mine was definitely travel cycle. The, uh, the ph- philanthropy I mentioned, I do a little bit of consulting just to uh, hopefully help and, and stay somewhat relevant in the high tech world. And now teaching, I coach softball. I do a, that, that takes up a lot of time. That's a lot of fun, but yeah, I, I think your relationship with time, I heard one of your others say it, you know, this afternoon, I have to go to the hardware store. That's what I'm doing this afternoon. That used to be something that you jammed between, you know, coming home from work, right? Right, right. And if you see somebody at the hardware store, you chat for 10 or 15 minutes, you catch up. And that's kind of, it's really actually a nice luxury. It's really cool. Yeah. There's one other one that I loved that I didn't anticipate. I kind of anticipated the Sunday night deal. 
I did not anticipate like when I'd come home from a long trip, I'd feel this just need to go through all the mail and all the email because I'd have all this crap I, I had to catch up on. I'd have 20 meetings the next day just to solve problems that couldn't be solved via email. And then I'd want to unpack everything. And now like Jeannie and I will come home. We'll be tired. We'll just leave all the bags in the garage. We'll jump in the shower, jump into bed. And the next morning we'll wake up and we'll have coffee and we'll talk and we'll slowly get stuff unpacked. And I didn't realize that is a huge benefit after an exhausting trip and you're just happy to be home and you don't have to hustle to get everything lined up and taken care of. Yeah. Gorgeous. That's a great. One of my favorite things. Oh, George, um, George told me I had to tell this story too. Um, about okay. retirement. So I had a company phone and you have to turn in the company phone, right? Mm-hmm. So I had to go get my own phone. And it goes back to what you're saying about like managing your time. I'm like, you know what? One thing I really didn't like about the working world was I had to really look when somebody called me. I had to be on top of email. I had to be on top of right. text, right? Right. I had to be on top of Slack or whatever it is. Right. I had to be on top of a lot of different channels. And your life becomes interrupt-driven. And successful salespeople or what we did figure out how to still manage their time so that they can get things done because you could be interrupted by those things all day long and not get anything done. Just communicate. So I'm at this, I'm at this the Verizon store. And I'm buying a phone and I tell the guy, hey, you know, I drop my phone off my bicycle at least a couple times a year. You know, I'm, I'm getting the kind of phone I want. And he says, hey, you know, for $30, we have a setup. Well, I'll do the setup of your phone for you and bring all your data over. And this, I'm like, that's great. Sold. But one condition. When you hand me that phone, it can have no badges, no vibrating, no dinging, no alerts, no nothing. Hmm. This is my device. When I want to pick it up to call and to communicate outside, I don't want anything interrupt driven. No notifications whatsoever. And he looked at me and I said, I'm serious. If this thing goes off one time, I'm coming right back to the store and I'm going to make you turn it off. Personally. I'm like, I, this device is not going to interrupt my day and me, what yeah. I'm doing. And I got to tell you, that's a nice luxury. That's a nice yeah. luxury. I thought for a minute there you were going to tell me, you know, I dropped my phone off my bike and that you got a flip phone. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I thought you were going to go with this, but <laughs> all right. That's pretty cool. I thought I'd transition just into a bit like what I call my category questions around mental health and attitude and cantankerousness and and things like that i i was playing tennis with a friend of mine and he said he had this expression about you know i i don't want to be scared of everything i want to whistle as i walk by the graveyard and he says um some of his friends just really get wound up about the world and i've noticed that i've noticed that in some of my friends where i don't know if it's it's you know, since Trump, or it's just that we're getting older as a group of people, but there's just like a lot of talking about problems in the world. And um, curious for, you know, if you've noticed a difference in, in yourself since retirement in terms of things that you concern yourself about, have you become more philosophical or more, um, 
more of an activist about certain issues or where do you where do you place yourself on kind of that that spectrum and I, I guess really what I'm talking about is you know what's your head like are you generally positive or are you pretty worried about where the world's going and spend a lot of time thinking about that I guess at the personal level I'll unpack that question this way at the personal level um I like to think I've become more active and more attuned to the world's problems, but hopefully not enraged. Yeah. Um, if you watch the, uh, there's a great documentary, The Social Dilemma on Netflix. I did see that. That, yeah, that crystallized for me what these algorithms and social media and the news are doing. And, and I sum it up with enraged to engage. So they figure out what you're interested in figure out how to get you enraged because then you're going to click more, you're going to watch more, you're going to interact more and they're selling ads. Um, and I sat back and thought about that and I was like, that's what's going on. And it makes this world much more divisive and on edge and it's not healthy for us. So I worry about that. I think unlike a lot of people, I set my phone down for literally hours, yeah. four hours, six hours. I don't look at it. And I told you, I wish I had I tell that the discipline. funny story about getting my new phone. Uh, yeah, you did. That's right. Yeah. No notifications. Yeah. So to me, yeah, yeah, this, this thing interrupts me. I'm taking it back to the store and making them reprogram it. Um, and I'm still not great at it, but I think I'm, a, I'm definitely a lot better than my working days where you had to look for texts and you had right. to look for emails. So, so you're managing your I'll dosage. Go, you know, I'll go a day or... Correct. Okay. Correct. I switched to BBC News because I think um, they aren't as, I'll call it, motivated by one side or the other. Um, so I think that's what okay. I'm doing personally, Drew, okay. if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. How, how about, I've um. I've become very, very. No, please continue. Oh, I've become very, very concerned about the environment. And I think there, uh, to your question, it's a great one. I start to look at myself like, wow, I am, you know, I am getting older and worried about generations to come much more than I ever was. Right. And I'm very, very concerned about the environment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you're, you know, act actively doing or, um, you know, any, anything that you're contributing to from, a from a technology or a charity standpoint or anything along those lines? With respect to the environment, um, you know, I, I bought a plug-in hybrid. I don't, I don't really eat or order meat. Um, I eat, I eat meat only when there's leftovers in the fridge. Okay. Um, so I'm really trying to contribute that sure. way. Um, and just trying in my daily life to just cut down and reduce. And I, I do, I think about the environment way more than I used to. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, so, it's hit me in a number of ways too. I can share like we were in Mexico on the West coast of Mexico in this very small town called Correas. We have friends that live there and, um, it's, it's a rich gated community type of situation, but there is the largest lake in Mexico near Guadalajara. And uh, we're out to dinner and uh, well, there's this, this beautiful Mexican woman who lives in Manhattan now and is married to a German banker. And she's telling me she grew up on this lake and um, I wanted to visit it. And she said, I don't really recommend it. The lake is polluted now. And I looked up this lake, and it's next to my favorite lake here in Michigan uh, in size. It's a similar size, I should say, not next to it. It's about 440 square miles. And she said it was uh, American farming, so they grow a lot of uh, strawberries. And the runoff got into the lake and has effectively ruined it, made it a sterile lake. And I'm thinking to myself, God, if my lake, if my beloved Lake St. Clair was just ruined by, say, the Canadians who we share a shoreline with, I'd be, I'd be bitter. Um, and I guess Mexico really doesn't have, like, the strength of our EPA. And, you know, we've got to have some checks and balances. It really just hit me. And then we also visited Guadalajara. What a cool city that is. But it used to have a river running through it. Um, and it's, it's dried up. You know, I don't know if that was taken by agriculture or by what, but there's no longer a river even running through the city anymore, which is what the city was founded on. Um, so, you know, I think I think um, we're insulated from a lot of the effects of either um, pollution or global warming. Uh, I've got a good friend who's in the State Department, spends a lot of time in Africa, and he says these people are just really impacted by global warming, the heat. Um, and, uh, the energy needs and the food insecurity, and it's just a constant problem for them, constant struggle for water and for, um, security from the sun and the heat, I think. So it is, it is a concerning thing for sure. I definitely share that with you. Um, if I could shift a little bit, you know, one of the first books I, I read, um, when I retired was Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. I just loved it. And I don't know if you know the background of the story. I won't go into it in depth, but he's a, um, he's a, he was a psychiatrist and he believed, uh, deeply that mental health is related to lack of purpose. And he had a whole uh, point of view on what purpose could be and what categories they're in. But, um, let me turn this into a question. Do you, do you feel like you have a, a, a purpose and has that evolved in retirement? It's been very self-indulgent. Um, you know, I, I think I may have used the phrase every day is a Saturday. Yeah. Um, and there definitely is, are times when I sit back and say, wait a minute, this, does this feel right? And then I remind myself, um, one guy I met on a cycling trip, he used the phrase, I made my wealth and now, you know, I'm going to write different, I'm, I'm going to do different things. I, I say it as I'm going to write different chapters, but I've, I think I've maintained some purpose in the nonprofit that I work right. with. Um, I work with one of their graduates and have for about seven years. So I spent more time with that. That was definitely giving me some purpose. Um, I coach softball and I love the interaction with the high school kids. 
uh, and hope that you know we just have fun. Sure, but, but there's there's moments to you know guide people or set an example in that as well. Yeah, and then you talked about becoming a adjunct professor or a professor, right? You're exploring that as well. I will. I'm taking the the first step toward that in a couple of okay. weeks, and very excited about that. When I was working, especially in cybersecurity, I really felt not just like I was contributing to technology and the health and let's call it prosperity of the companies I was working with, but you really felt like you were defending against the bad guys, right? Um, Just nefarious characters doing awful things to steal intellectual property or money or data, whatever they could. Thieves and blackmailers and all of it, right? Exactly. And I do miss that part, Drew. Um, I, I miss that feeling of, of giving back. Um, so I, I continue to find things and, and fill that in. Has it hurt my mental health? Mm, I don't think so. Not yet. Right. I'm coming up on year four. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, uh, th- things are pretty You're good. You're a pretty happy I, guy. I sleep I sleep really, really yeah, well. Yeah, me too. I sleep well. A lot of people worry about it. A lot of people that haven't haven't retired and maybe could are. I think that's one of their main worries. And you know, some of it could be I don't have enough hobbies or enough friends or. But I think they're genuinely worried about you know not having this super defined purpose. And it sounds it sounds like you're exploring that. Um, maybe not out of a driving need. Not maybe not out of. Um, an emptiness or an unhappiness, but out of just a, um, you know, desire to contribute. You have to come to grips. One of my neighbors, this is a great saying, as I was talking to him about getting ready for retirement, Drew, he said, you have to be ready for, nobody cares what you say anymore. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, your kids are older, adults. You have your place at work and you know your voice and where you can make an impact and where you can't. He goes, now you're a retired person walking around and nobody really cares what you have to say. (laughs) I thought that was really funny. Um, But there's some truth. You need to think about that. If, you know, a lot of your identity and feeling of worth um, is around your voice at work and your contributions at work. I think it's an excellent question, Drew. You you have to think for that, and you have to be ready for that to shift. Yeah, uh, you know, I I remember uh, George was the guy who actually you know kind of mentioned this to me. He said, you know, I feel like the kids really listen to you till you're about twelve, and after that they watch you. And I I know, um, you know, like my son and I were kind of at each other for a while, and I got some advice. You know, just witness his life, quit but trying to steer it. And um, I know there's still times, though, to inject. And there's still times when people will listen. But it, uh, you know, I, I mentioned I, I communicate sometimes in charts and graphs. It's it's a declining slope. <laughs> and I'm okay with it. <laughs> totally okay with it. Well, the analogy I gave my kids was when they turned 18 is, hey, you're now the captain of your mm-hmm. ship. You got to figure out where you want to go and what you want to do. Your mother and I are still on board. Right. And we're here to help, but you got to ask us. Right. We're not going to grab the uh we're not going to grab, grab the, the line. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Until you, you know, and 
we're, we're always there for them, but it's their ship. Yeah, good. I think I think George is a little smarter. He realized that happened at age twelve. I thought it happened at age eighteen. <laughs> He's a really sharp guy, that's for sure. I listen to him carefully. Um, how about we shift into hobbies? I, I know you you love travel, and you're um, uh, an athlete and um, an explorer on your bicycle. One of the things that that I've just been observing about myself is my hobbies have changed over time. And uh, my athletic pursuits have changed over time. And I'm kind of just letting that go, you know, to different areas. Like I used to run all the time. I ran a marathon. I ran a bunch. And now I'm like, I still run occasionally. I like to be able to keep running, but it's not my passion. It's not really what I'm about. And I kind of feel the same thing. I hear that from George as well. He still runs a lot, but his times aren't there. And he's not so interested in doing marathons anymore. And, um, I'm just curious, like, um, have you, have you found some, some new hobbies? Are there some hobbies that you're thinking about your, to yourself? Hey, even when I get a little older and my energy levels are a little lower, I'd like to spend some time into this. Have you, have you thought that through or you just kind of dribble with your head up and, and see what interests you? Right. Well, I think like you and George and many others, um, I used to run quite a bit. And, you know, did, did, um, marathons. I think I did five, um, running is now so painful on my knees that yeah. I, I hike okay, and I walk, but I really don't run. Um, I used to play soccer and when I gave that up, that was back in my, geez, I think I was in my mid forties and that was very hard to give up. I, I, I got a little depressed about giving that up. It was so sad, but it was just time. Um, I was watching guys just every year go off the field with torn Achilles and torn ACLs, and it wasn't from big impacts. It was just like, okay. Yeah. So and just maybe the speed, I, maybe too. I got just out the speed to ahead. catch up to these young guys, and it's unbelievable. <laughs> my, my game was speed and elbows, and I realized that I was all down to just <laughs> elbows. So <laughs> Nobody likes just elbows either. but new habits are new you know um i i uh, i took over cutting my lawn and doing my own landscaping um good for you just enjoy kind of being outdoors Mm -hmm. yeah sometimes it's a real pain in the butt i mean try keeping up with weeds in the summertime good luck right um but it's it's therapeutic and uh i i do like it overall are you home Uh, enough to do do that projects Yes and no. Yeah, yeah, I've kind of managed that. My son had to help through the summer. Um, Because I think about that sometimes. Like, I wouldn't mind doing my own lawn, but uh, then, you know, it could tie you down if you want to take a month in Greece or do some of these trips like you're doing. (laughs) Neighbors might get a little testy. It does. does. (laughs) (laughs) And there there have been times where I came home to the jungle. Yes. so I enjoy that. You know, on my list, um, I think I might start doing a uh, a YouTube channel around tour cycling. Oh, that's a good idea. Um, I think I've always wanted to learn guitar. Um, so I have I have a list, and I would encourage people who are thinking about retirement is think about things like that that you've thought about your whole life and just make a list. You don't have to commit to it. Right. But like you, you kind of find them, and they kind of pop up and you find yourself either enjoying it and you do more or you don't 
and you move away from it. Um, I looked at buying some small businesses or investing in some small businesses, spent a lot of time on that and just never pulled the trigger, just couldn't find something that was right. So yeah, some just some different hobbies that have come up, Drew, um, but cycling and travel has really been the, uh, the, the passion that has stuck. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. I, I would say reflecting on myself, like I, I did this exercise and I just kind of visualize it as like, you know, Orion, the, the four pointed um, um, constellation where there's, you know, two arms up in the sky and two legs out. So you have four, four axes, if you will. And one was uh, things you're doing that you want to keep doing. The other was things you're doing you want to stop doing. For me, that was like being crunched on time and being tight and things, you know, being so goal driven. I want to stop that. Right. And then the other, the legs, if you were, were things that you've done some of, but haven't been able to dedicate enough time to, but you'd like to invest more into. And the last one was things you've never done before, but you want to do. And those, those are the hard ones, honestly. And, um, I've dabbled on, on that leg, if you will, but I've also discovered to get decent at anything i really for me anyways in my brain because a lot of it's learning related i have to really dig in deep like like spanish you just can't dabble in yeah you can kind of keep it alive or whatnot but if you want to be a decent conversationalist you have to work on it every day and so i'm I'm trying um but you know by nature i'm a dabbler so, um, but th- those are good exercises to go through. I've shared that with quite a few people to just kind of actually physically write it down on a chart and think through it. And every once in a while, I'll look at it and say, am I doing any of this stuff? And a lot of it I am, for sure. Yeah. Well, like you, I've, I've always been a huge proponent for myself when, when I write things down yeah. um, and I cross them off yeah. my to-do list or what I want to do next. It really helps me think, and it helps me feel satisfaction when I accomplish things. Um, so I think you hit on something lightly that that deserves some pause and some weight behind it. Is writing things down for me is huge, and I look at the the you know the generations behind us who haven't been as pencil and paper driven, mm. and I you know I I don't know how they're going to do it. Um, I'm sure they'll figure it out, but. For me, that's really worked. Writing down goals or interests and things to do um, is huge. I, I was teased kind of relentlessly at work. I'll just, I don't know if you can see this, but like every Sunday, I would write out a little grid uh, uh, on an index card, and there'd be three things in each grid. And I'd try to get, you know, three things done a day that I wanted to get done. Yeah. Because at work, you yeah. know, I think similar to your role, my job was to take care of other people and I tried to be responsive and excellent in my work product and have a good attitude. And sometimes you get bombarded by so many requests that you never get anything done that you want to get done or feel like you need to do. Um, and it's a lot easier now. I'll say that. And my, my things are like, you know, file your estimated taxes, um, book this trip. It's, it's, it's fun stuff. Well, not that estimated taxes are fun, but yeah. Um, anyways, yeah, that's uh, it's been a, a habit that I've I've so far stuck with um, in retirement. And I still like it. I, I I see a future though where that little 
index card is no longer done or it's done once a month or something like that. And that'd be fine too. Well, you and I are very similar. Yeah. Um, and I, I like the word you put around it as I, I got to the same spot at work is if I can get two or three done, things done a day proactively, mm-hmm. the rest of it was a lot of reaction. And that's, that's just the nature of what we, it's the nature of the job, right? Um, that's what people wanted yeah. from us. It changes a lot in retirement. You can you can get a lot more done, but you're right. All of a sudden, the things that you want to do, there's a lot more joy in yeah. them. Um, and like you, I've I've gone away from the to-do list sometimes for weeks at a time, like when I travel right? and I'm on the bike. I just totally you know, put it aside. I'm guessing you're not checking in on the it, BBC either. Yeah. No. no. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you, it's nice when you don't check the news right. and you don't check the stock market for a right. whole week. And as informed as we like to be, I'm a lot happier at the end of the week when I haven't watched the news and I haven't watched the stock market. I mean, that's totally within our control. You know, that is. I, yeah. I really like the way you brought up The Social Dilemma because that movie really hit me as well. And that's probably where I took a big step back from social media. Um. And I miss some of it, but I don't think the price is worth um, paying. That's kind of where I'm at with it. But um, anyways, I digress. Let's 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 just talk about friendships a little bit. I know I've I've heard from some people that you know they've lost touch with people from work that they thought they'd stay in touch with, or I I, I you know I just had uh, friends in for my my daughter's wedding, and they were lamenting that their social circle is shrinking a little bit, and um, I re- I personally don't feel that yet. I feel um, like if anything, a richness. Like I've had more time to spend on friendships, to call people and catch up or visit. And um, I'm just curious where you're at and uh, and your life and, and what your social circles been like and how it's changed since retirement. My my view is. Um... We meet so many wonderful people, and you know I have been through my school years, through my work years, and you sit there and, and I need to check myself because it's like, oh, such a great person. I wish I wish we were in closer touch. And my freshman year roommate from college, the the guy I roomed with for three years in college, yeah. um, great people I worked with or around or for, and. It uh, you wish you had more time when you sit down and you think about it. What I've noticed is my friendships of the people that I know. It's started to gel a lot more around people who are retired. <laughs> so I retired early. I was fifty four, and people who have time and interest and want to go for a hike with the dog at nine thirty in the morning are very different. They're retired, right? Right. Yep. And um. You know, people who can take a week-long cycling trip. It's like, so I find that my friendships have shifted some to other people who are retired or other people who have an intense interest around things that I do. Um, and that's okay. That's really um, eye-opening to me. I don't think I've really thought about it with that lens. That's good. No, I appreciate that. Um, I've been fortunate. I think the pandemic got back in touch with some people that uh, I had fallen out of touch with and have enjoyed those times, high school and college friends. Um, 
the work friends, I heard others on your podcast talk about this, Drew, is I, I loved so many people I worked with. I mean, just great people. I am still in touch with a handful of them, and I'm very grateful for yeah. them. My, my best friend is still my best friend. He was the systems engineer I worked with for 14 or 15 years of my 30-year career. And, uh, you know, we, we always crack up. We're BFFs. Um, yeah, he's really a good guy. Yeah. And we, we stay in touch. But it's a little more difficult because he works. So I talk about, you know, my next trip and my bicycle, and he talks about work. <laughs> but we, we have a great friendship, and, and he has some other good interests, and we kind of follow each other's interests around music and movies and just hanging out. Uh, it's super cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful I still get invited to a ski trip with uh, guys from Microsoft that, in Park City every February that are still working. I still get invited to the end of the fiscal year party at this one guy's lake house and they all just get hammered because they're just been brutalized, you know, and they're just celebrating and I'm just trying to get some insights and, you know, remember and, and, and try to celebrate with them as best I can. But yeah, it's, it's good. I don't know how long it's going to last. You know, I just invited a bunch of friends I used to work with that they're all retired. Every single one of them that, Oh, not every single one. Most of them, to my daughter's wedding had a nice nice get together there but um yeah that sounds really good how about you know i've heard from from people you know my brother included saying that he feels like he spends a little bit too much time alone too much time on his own and i think that might be not only like a measurement of the time alone but maybe what his preferences are like he just prefers his social time every day and I guess there's kind of two questions in there. One is, do you feel like you're spending more time in your own head or alone since retirement? And do you like that? Do you, do you find yourself being more introverted as you have in this transition, or do you prefer to always be around others? I definitely spend more time in my own head mm-hmm. and just alone, um, doing things that I want to do yep. or thinking about things that I want to think about instead of things being foisted upon you. Um, do I like it? So I don't know if I have a good answer to that. I think I do, but it's not always ideal. It does, when I start to get lonely or bored, it does spur me to reach out. Yeah. It does spur me to do things. So like we were talking before, you know, at work, you naturally run into people and sit down and have a coffee or work on a project together. In retirement, you have to reach out or you can say yes to a lot more things that come your way when people reach out to you. Yeah. When I'm traveling on the bike, I find for a week, for a whole week, I really enjoy the solitude and thinking to myself. And then, you know, you, you meet people when you check into the hotel. I don't want to say you meet people, but you talk with people and you talk with the locals over, over meals and, and try and figure out what's going on. But a week, I actually enjoy. And then it starts to change. Then I'm like, you know, I like my dog. I need to be around people, right? Uh, and I need to be talking with people. So after about a week, I start to get lonely. Mm. And that's me. Yeah. I'd like to try a week. Um, I, I think I am naturally introverted. I've, I've be, I became more extroverted just as I matured. And uh, through work, I found like I was, I was 
pretty good at communicating with people and and coming to solutions together. I see the value of working together with people, but um, I'm kind of interested in my own thoughts and uh, what I'm curious about. And I don't mind spending an afternoon in the park in a hammock reading or doing whatever I want to do. I don't know what my dosage of, of that is. I keep using that word. I keep thinking about that. But I wouldn't mind trying a week's vacation solo. And I think if I was physically exercised and stimulated by the scenery and exploration, I think it'd be perfect. So I told you I was going to put together a plan by the time we spoke again, but I haven't. I got busy, but I do want to do something. <laughs> and maybe this fall I'll figure it out. But uh, that's pretty cool. I, I think the other thing that, that struck me is you – you know, you mentioned you're pretty good at reaching out to people. I think that is one of the gifts of like the type of role you had as like a uh, account executive leading. You, know, you have to be proactive in connecting with people. It's one of the biggest things, right? Um, you have to be kind of strategic about that and thoughtful about that. So um, I, I think that's one of the skills I have is I do connect people. I'll say, oh, this is happening. It's a, either a professional boxing match. I'll throw a party or Oppenheimer is going to play at the IMAX. I'll get some people together and go. And um, I think there's a lot of people waiting for somebody to invite them to do something. So for, mm -hmm. for people that are listening that are maybe feeling a little lonely, reach out. You'll be surprised how often you'll get a yes. If not today, then tomorrow. Let's get together for a coffee or a lunch or go for a walk, whatever. Um, it's, there's other people in your shoes, despite how full their life might look on social media. They're, they're probably spending a lot of time by themselves as well. I don't know if you've experienced this too, but since being retired, when I go for a walk with a friend or I did just the other night. I went to go see Oppenheimer with a friend. I cherish that time and appreciate it much more than I saw the movie. Oh my gosh, I got to get home and do this, this, mm -hmm. and this because work tomorrow. This, that, like that being able to relax and really appreciate your time is a really nice luxury mm -hmm. uh, that I've enjoyed. Yep, I agree. Sometimes it's really simple stuff. Uh, you know, my, my son's in town and my my nephew I've hung out with his whole life. We've just been causing ruckus for three decades now. We cook dinner together. We're hanging out, having a, a little bit of wine and whatnot. I'm like, let's go for a bike ride after dinner. And my wife was, was gracious enough to clean up and she didn't want to go for the bike ride. So we took a bike ride to the boat, went out to uh, the Canadian shore and just jumped in the water real quick, came back, buttoned up the boat, took the bike ride back. It was one of those beautiful northern breezes, perfect evening. We're still talking about it. It wasn't anything more complicated than that. Uh, just getting out there yeah. and uh, and especially doing something after a big meal. I, that's my favorite time to go for a walk, uh, for sure. Um, okay. Um, let's keep this hopping along though. Uh, so I've got one more section. This is kind of talking about learning a little bit and what your, what your interests are. And then I've got some final questions, but you know, I, I know you learn so much by traveling. Um, I, I met a guy playing volleyball on a, in, on a beach in Mexico, uh, from Greece. And he is a very smart man. We've, we've stayed in touch and he, he never went to university. He, 
built this incredible business on Santorini, these two hotels he basically built with his own hands. He's since sold, but he said, I learned everything through, through traveling, right? That's, that's, um, you know, whether it sparked him to do research or just the connections and the people he met or his love for languages, et cetera. But, um, what do you uh, what do you find yourself kind of most fascinated by subject wise, and then how do you learn? How do you go about preparing and learning for something that you want to dig into? Right. Um, well, to me, let's talk about travel because travel is yeah, so educational to me, um, and it is part of why I love it. Is I just feel like I'm learning new things, seeing new things, experiencing new things. I'm personally not the best at doing the research beforehand. But then while I'm in a country, I'll start to say, hmm, you know, do they have states or counties or mm -hmm. how's their government organized? And how populated is this area that I'm in? And and you know, what what is it known for? What's what's I've seen a lot of, you know, uh cows is it really known for its dairy um what you know what's their economy i'm just generally start getting more and more inquisitive when i spend time um in in an area and that's kind of i'll call it learn as you go learn as you experience and then when i come back i'll i'll usually read a little bit more about where i've been what i'd like to be better at drew is is reading before i go right. really preparing um, but it's just a, a, a regret that I have that I need to get better. At. I've got one little trick. I could um, just parlay back to you. When I, when I travel to a country please. I haven't been to before, I'll just do a simple internet search and I say, what's the top literature from this country? Um, I like to read fiction from an author from that country and, um, I'll do, I'll actually spend a, a fair amount of time, you know, reading about the author or the story or why it's important. And then I'll, I, when I travel, I typically go by Kindle, but it's fun to read while you're in the country. Um, something about, say, the Spanish Civil War or this or that. It's, it's, it's a neat way to explore. Yeah. Well, that's great. That's great. Um, yeah, so the, the, the question again? Well, the original question. The, the, the two questions I guess I combined together were, you know, what is, what is piquing your interest? Um, yeah. and then the second one is, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you learn? Like, what do you, what do you go after? Are you looking at YouTube or have you tried masterclass or have you ever taken a class on Coursera or those type of things? So I haven't done the classes. I think I learn by doing, yeah. uh, I'll watch a little bit of YouTube. I'll definitely peck around the internet and find some interesting articles about things um going back to pecking around the internet because i think it can be a dangerous place in if you're looking for information about serious topics and again going back to the divisiveness i've started to really really say okay you know be careful what you what you where you click and what you read but when i'm when it's about travel or a new topic i'm interested in um i feel like the internet's just such a wonderful place oh, for to sure. go find it's some unbelievable. information yep. yeah yep. <laughs> what did we do before it right <laughs> well you know it's amazing how many people i've i've met that default to what you're saying is you learn by doing 
and um, are self-taught. I love the word autodidact. I just learned that in the past couple of years. I love that. My son is definitely in that category. And, uh, you know, I worked with a lot of engineers at Microsoft and those guys, it's like, you learn only so much from a book or from documentation or PowerPoint, you got to get in there and and build something or work with a customer on a project before you learn it in depth. And, And I agree with that with travel as well. I've been on experiences with people that, you know, planned a trip and really studied the map. But then when we were in it, didn't study the map anymore and got themselves in trouble because there's a different level of studying the map when you're in it. You know, you remember those details when you actually have to navigate that in the next couple of hours. Yeah. Um, and I do something similar, I guess, when I travel. I guess one of, one of my pro tips, I really like um, organizing travel now. I never used to. I think probably just because I was time crunched. But I swear, the just the simple Google Maps feature of creating lists. So when I, you know, I'm coming, I'm going to Portugal, and you know, I sign into Google Maps, and if somebody says oh, you got to go to this site or to this restaurant, I just put it in the list, and so I've got this rich set of lists now that I can just send to people too as well, and say I recommend these type yeah. of things, and it's reviewed by typically thousands of people, and there's photographs and. There's menus if it's a restaurant. Yeah. It's just such a good resource. So I've 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 worked on things like that for sure. Um, but it's fun. It's fun to um, explore different things. And and I'd say the, the the other thing is there. I think some of these these things like Coursera and MasterClass are worth it from both a time and a. Um, a cost standpoint, if it costs a little bit, it's they're really curated. If you've got a passion for a particular topic, you can dig into it pretty deeply with some real expertise pulling the material together. Like I, I've got a passion. I've developed a passion for Bitcoin. I, I, I believe in it. I really, I really believe in it. There's not much I believe in as much um, as terms of an important technology. And there was a course on Princeton from their computer science department, available on Coursera for free, that takes you through the cryptography in depth and um, the whole structure of, you can read the white paper from Satoshi, but this was another another level of explanation. And um, I loved it. I really loved it. It made me more of a believer. Um, so there's things like that available uh, that I think are pretty neat. But... Um, Anyways, I digress. I thought we'd just kind of finish up with some final questions, if that's all right, and tie her together. Sure. Yeah. So have you developed any, like, daily routines? Like, do you have a morning routine or an evening routine or anything like that that you feel like gives you structure and um, starts your day off great or ends your day great? Right. Um, so my morning... I putter around to use a term that my mother always used. Love puttering. And I, you know, I, I, I do, I, I try and remember just how much I really like it. Oh yeah. It's it. the best. I takes me a full hour to get going. Um, I have my coffee. I read the paper. I love my cereal <laughs> and I just kind of sit down. Then I usually sit down and say, okay, you know, what, what do I want to do today? Um, is it a, a long bike ride? Is it, 
Is it go prune the, the bushes? Do I have to run some errands? Like what, what do I want to do today? And how urgent is it? Do I really have to do it today? Or do I want to do it today? And you have a lot of latitude around mm-hmm. that. That's, that's just wonderful. Um, and then um, I'm not a big lunch person anymore. I just kind of pick through the day. And then it's dinner time and then relax time. So whether that's some reading or uh, I'm way too addicted to documentaries on Netflix and other shows. Uh, so, yeah, I don't have a great routine. Okay. How about like, do you have an annual of, routine you know, or look, there's some trips you do every year or some traditions that you, that you keep those type of things? So I call it the January, February problem. Okay. I always try and think how I'm going to solve that. Um, to me, <laughs> Getting out of Philadelphia, you mean? The, uh, it just this, this whole band that Europe and North America lives in, at least the northern part of North America lives in, in January and February, it's like, unless I can go skiing, it's kind of rubbish. Yeah, get out of there, so, for sure. So where am I going to go in January and February? Um, and, you know, the answer's been New Zealand. The answer's been, you know, New Mexico, Texas. Like, so I call it the January, February problem. Okay. And uh, that's good for my mental health. I do not like the short, dreary, no, gray days. Repeated, repeated, repeated. Yep. Uh, then there's the spring break, you know, am I going to go see the kids or what am I going to do spring break? There's summer, which is just, you know, it's just loaded with, with travel and fun. Um, it really is. And and I try and plan a big bike adventure. Then I think I mentioned, I do the bike, the, the, uh, the UK for MS. I've done that, what, five years in a row now, except the year it got canceled. So I try and plan seeing my family in England and and doing something for charity and doing my cycling all in one around that. My son plays football at uh, Gettysburg College. Okay. So I made a pledge that I will not miss a game. Good for you. So that defines my fall. So every Saturday, uh, except for one. I'm at his football games, and that's just a blast. They, they, he and his friends, he has some great friends. They play because they love the game. They know they're not going to the NFL right. or, or the college bowl series. Um, and they're just, it's, it's fun to watch your son enjoy something so much. So that's fall, and then you start to head into the holidays. That's maybe the annual plan. Right. Oh, yeah, that sounds really good. Um, a- any, like... Um... Any family best practices or little things that you've built into the culture of your family that you think are um, fun to share? Well, the way I looked at my parents and then talking with other people about how do you parent your children when they're adults, Yum. right? (laughs) <laughs> and we talked a little bit about, you know, they're on their own ship. I am much more of the camp. I am here for them. Reach out to me. Right. And and waiting for them to make the initiation. Okay. That doesn't work so well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I find myself, you know, kind of poking them, hopefully with something humorous. Yeah. But I miss, you know, you miss that, that daily contact yeah. with your, with your children. Yeah. You really do. Do you have like a family you know, uh, WhatsApp or text going, group text? Some. Yeah. 
some. Um, but well, uh, I'd say that's a recommended best practice yeah. from 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 myself. We have we use WhatsApp for it, and we're just it's constantly stupid little pictures of this or that or jokes. It's like our own yeah. private social network for our family. It's pretty fun. It's a live thing going all day long. And I think to myself, I didn't have that with my parents. I wonder if my kids feel like it's a burden or it's just they're used to it. It's part yeah. of their life. But yeah, all day long it's going and it's pretty freaking funny. Um, well, I noticed that I, I was the top contributor to that, yeah. which kind of sent me a message. Yeah, right. That's okay. I'm the top <laughs> contributor too, but I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. The, the other one that I just, that I just throw out there that I've, we don't do so much anymore, but we did when the kids were, were young is we'd do a mystery date and they didn't know what it was. They just knew what time it was and how they had to dress. And they'd try to pepper you with questions. I do this for my wife too. What is it? You know, what are we going to do? And I wouldn't give them an answer until we backed out of the driveway. And then I told them, and it could be from anything you're going bowling to picking up garbage at a park to taking a weekend in Colorado. It just kind of, buried a little bit but it's the mystery it's the anticipation yeah that made it kind of kind yeah. of fun um oh that's awesome yeah it's just little things that you kind of build into the um the lore of the family right okay um no, that's next great. question um you mentioned you sleep great i sleep great it's a wonderful thing but let's say there's some magic future where you don't need as much sleep you're fully rested you're fully healed but you got an extra four hours a day or something like that. And uh, with full battery power, everything, what would, what would you put that time into? I'd like to think finding more ways to give back. So something with a charity. Yeah. And there's, you know, give back is overused. There's, there's so much personal rewards. Um, I mentioned the environment, so maybe I need to think about bringing those two together. Uh, I am now with those extra four hours an accomplished guitarist and singer. <laughs> I like it, which I am definitely not now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's good. And I have tried many times in my life to be good at Spanish, it is not my natural aptitude, right. But I am now fluent in Spanish with those extra four hours a day. Right on. I've got some similar wishes for you, for sure. Um, I like that. Okay. Um, I did this project for my siblings. Both my, both my parents have passed. And, you know, the year after my dad passed, I put together this photo book. And it includes our genealogy, family tree, family stories, photographs that my siblings all contributed to, I contributed to, did a lot of interview with my folks. Um, but I kind of pulled it all together. I'm really proud of this project. It took me a good part of a year to work on this and pull it together. And uh, when I started it, I didn't even know the names of my eight great-grandparents. Didn't know anything about them. Didn't even know their names, right? I'd heard like a little bit about there is grandma olga on the greek side who was a bit of a battle axe and i'd heard a few stories about another guy who was scandalous james but i i learned a lot and one of the takeaways i had from it is two generations down when when we're hopefully great grandparents 
people aren't going to probably know much about great-grandfather Todd or great-grandfather Drew. Despite all the digital history they have, they're probably just not going to know much about us. But if we had a way to pass down some wisdom to our great-grandchildren, uh, what would you pass along? I think the first phrase that comes to my mind, Drew, is work for what you want. So think about what you want, and then you got to work for mm-hmm. it. People say, you know, some people say, if you find what you love, you never work a day. God bless them. God bless them. I, that wasn't my life. That's not the life of most people I know. So you, you got to be ready to grind. Um, I think that's, that's huge. Um, family is just never to be underestimated, under discussed, under appreciated. So I would lean toward family. Um, boy, that's such a great question. What else would I tell great grandchildren? Um, don't take it all too seriously, Hmm. maybe. Yeah. Right? Um, you know, I I think some of the most successful people I've met, and I don't mean that just materially, but they're just kind of rolling through life like, you know, I have a smile, I'm doing what I can, I kind of enjoy it, and not everything goes my way. Right. Um, that's, that's, that's probably what pops into my head. I think. Being in a good place, we haven't talked a lot about spirituality, Yeah. but being in a good place with that, whatever you decide, um, I personally, you know, take great solace and comfort and pray every night. And I, you know, I, I do believe in things like creation and a higher being, a higher being, sorry, and an afterlife. Uh, so, you know, I think that's an important part of, of life. Stay active. For me, when, you know, my most successful years in business were when I was running marathons. Hmm. Coincidence or I don't know, but they just went together. You have a lot of think time Um, when you're running that long. A lot of think time, Hmm. a lot of get out the excess energy, Hmm. a lot of, you know, exhaustion is not a bad thing. Good sleep. Um, I, I like that challenge. I like that feeling of accomplishment when you're done. I like that struggle. I don't like, I've heard some of your guests talk about they like pain. I don't like pain, but I like struggle. I like some suffering. And it just makes the reward so much, so much greater when you're done. I understand that. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I like a certain amount of suffering as well. And I like a certain amount of risk. Um, I think both of those are ratcheting down a little bit, but I don't think you can live a life without either of those. There's got to be some risk and there's got to be some skin knees or this or that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think really think, uh, I'm sorry to babble on, but this, this is important to me. I think really think about the food that you're eating day in, day out and what your diet habits are, because what is put in front of us is we all know, you know, the Taco Bell jingle and the, the Tostitos and Lay's potato. That stuff is put in front of us every day. And I indulge, but how do you really feel after you eat that an hour, two hours later? And what has it really done for your health, Uh, mental, physical? So 
you know, have your treats, but boy, uh, I think, I think, uh, our diet, I, I would add onto that, like, level? learn how to cook, be, be interested in, in cooking, explore different cuisines. When you travel, there is a, yeah. there's a great, um, there's a great history in those cuisines, but also learning how to cook, you tend to, most cooks don't start with Tostitos, right? Or a Kit Kat bar. They start with a raw ingredient. That's my, I guess my philosophy is that's where you, where you start a good meal is with some raw ingredients. Now, of course you can fry everything and ruin it, but start with the raw stuff. Go from there. No, I think you're right. Yeah. When, when you cook, you're thinking about yourself and your health and the nutrition and the taste. When you go out to eat, most people just indulge, yeah. right? It's it's all about the taste and, you know, uh, but you're right. When I, when I travel or even when I'm in a city, finding different new cuisines is always a lot of fun. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's that's a lot of fun. Yeah. All right. Last couple you? of what questions. You tell your, um, I was going to turn the question around. Oh. Give me your uh, your bullet points for, for oh, great grandchildren. You know, I think a, a lot of what you what you said, I'd just I'd, I'd resonate with for sure. I think for me, um, I, sometimes when I tell young people and they're um, unsure of their lives, I uh, try to boil it down, of course, to a, a graph or a picture. But I, I do a pyramid, and I'll say the base of the pyramid is just being a good person. It's your ethics. And if you have good ethics and you've, 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 you know, followed can't rules, been as good as possible, even if the rest of your life isn't successful, you can really sleep well. You know, you haven't hurt anybody. You know, you haven't deceived anybody. You haven't been a liar. You haven't been a thief. That's the, that is an important base. And if you're that, if you have that, you should feel pretty good no matter what your outcome is. Because you've been decent, and mm. the whole world is not that decent. We know that, right? I remember having to talk to my kids when they went away to university. I'm like, not everybody's been brought up the way you've been brought up. It's an unfortunate thing. You got to secure your stuff. Um, so having that, I think, is the the base. What I what I describe the the middle section of the pyramid, which is also a big area, is work hard, be good at something. You know, um, add mm -hmm. some value, be valuable that that middle section contribute and then the very top portion of the the pyramid is have some fun so it's a smaller area and i think sometimes when people are young they try to invert that pyramid they want their base to be having fun and they have a very small part that's about their their ethics and their how they conduct themselves and do they you know respond to people and are they polite and all those things i think that's the base but that's probably what i'd describe as my my pyramid for um, having a satisfying life because you get so much rewards and pleasure from being a decent person, from having some value that you contributed to other that makes the rewards of um, having fun that much richer. Yeah. I like yeah. it. I like yeah. it. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for uh, prodding me on that. I love talking about that. Um, how about um, Three favorite, either you know, old school. I'm talking about old school, like favorite movies or books, something cultural that you love that you go back to, and then three relatively modern ones that have surprised you that you really thought were great. Uh, movies, older movies, uh, Paper Moon, Paper Moon, okay, with Ryan and yep. Tatum O'Neill. Yep. 
I, I, I go back to that film. There's just something special about the father-daughter relationship, the orneriness of her, but all with the, uh, just the best of intentions. And yeah, I just, I just love that story. There was a book called Friedrich. It was probably more of a children's book but it's just stuck with me my whole life. It was about a, a German child and a Jewish child um, in the 1930s and 40s in Germany and just how their life changed with the rise mm. of, uh, of the Nazi party and how their lives and relationships to each other, these two boys, how that changed. Um, you know, one going from comfort to concentration camp and the other going from scraping by to uh to prospering under the party right i thought that was an ex a very impactful book for me mm. have you seen jojo rabbit oh love that that's amazing yeah. yeah it's just if you'd have told me i'd have been laughing at hitler i know I'd have said you i know crazy. Was absolutely amazing so that actor, who's also the director yeah. and producer, I think, and the author of that, Wakanda, uh, two other great films too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, Boy and mm -hmm. um, something about the wilderness. Um, yeah, he, yeah, he's he's so talented. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great films. Um, let's see, modern films. You know, any, anything Christopher Nolan does is just phenomenal. And I would have said that even before Oppenheimer, but it's just great. Yeah, he's an artist. Um, books, I go back to 1984. Okay, just or for well. some reason, one of my favorite books, "The Two Minute Hate." And every time I read it, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, and it's you know, the, the, the Ministry of Truth, right. the Ministry of Peace, right. the Big Brothers watching you, that whole journey, and then then going back and reading what what Orwell was actually commentating about. Um, was is really interesting to me. The same thing with Animal Farm. Animal Farm. Love that. I, I think I might prefer Animal yeah. Farm. But yeah, yeah. No, no, I love the classics. I, I really love my Steinbecks as well. I went through a lot of Hemingways in the past year, and I love Churchill. Yeah. Um, but uh, there's a great book that goes back to uh, financial. My kids make fun of me because I I try and read it once a year, and I bought 25 copies and I hand them to people as gifts, but it's called um, The Richest Man in Babylon. Okay. And it's just these anecdotes about, you know, pay yourself first. So always save 10%. And like you said, how to build value, um, how to work for what you want instead of, you know, moan that it's not happening. Mm -hmm. Um, so it talks a lot about just financial discipline, and um, I think it, I think in the end it talks about you know how to my, part of what we didn't talk about, but part of my ethos or constitution is hopefully hopefully leaving behind and giving back more than I've taken out of this world. Um, yeah, that's... and finances have, has allowed some of that. Yeah, and um... yeah, so those you know th those are maybe some of the books. If that answers the no, question, it's great. some of the movies. That's great. I'm always curious about that. Um, and I, I think um, 
Uh, we could go on and on, but we should probably wrap it up uh, and uh, say this is this is it for now, and maybe to be continued on a bike trip somewhere. I would like that. I've enjoyed this time. I hope somewhere in these things that I've said are a couple of golden nuggets that help somebody else. That would be wonderful. But thank you, Drew, for doing this. Um, it's really been a lot of fun. Okay, and with that, we're a wrap with episode number five. Please remember to look for the bonus clip where Todd will take you through his uh, career and his thoughts on the transition to retirement. Always valuable insights. As always, if you have any feedback for me, you can contact me at storiesfromretirement at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.